Hello and welcome to the Heat Unmissables podcast. This is the fourth, episode four, I like to call it, of the podcast that is an entertainment, pop culture, TV and that kind of thing look at that whole world. It's the equivalent of the Unmissable section in Heat magazine. And I'm joined by two absolutely glorious colleagues. Kay Ribeiro, regular of the podcast, entertainment editor of Heat magazine. And Kay is very firm that the podcast should not last longer than an hour. So if it does, <laughs> listeners, it's my fault. It's not hers. We try and do, but you know, we try not to waffle on for hours and then. But the first one was about an hour and a half. Then I think we got it down to a manageable eighty minutes. We're um, getting better. We're getting better, but basically we're wittering on, and we'll try and instill some kind of discipline. I'm going to crack the whip. Yeah, Kay will crack the whip, um, and we are joined by let's just say Steph Seenan, who is taken part in the first three podcasts and is, is regular of this parish, is on holiday in Dubai. Is that right? Kay? Yep. She's sunning herself in Dubai. Instead, replacing her for one week only, and in his final ever week as a permanent member of staff, it's Charles Gant, the legend, the film editor of Heat magazine. It's his last day today, listeners, as recorded. And forgive us, we are going to be slightly indulgent because we feel we have to celebrate and commemorate this fact. Welcome, Charles. Thank you, Boyd. And I'm looking forward to the whip, you know, being cracked. Yes, it's going to be cracked. But we, we are, it's a celebration of Chaz, essentially, this podcast. It is a bit, And yeah. all things entertainment, because he is the king of entertainment. Exactly. And, and in fact, among the things we're discussing in today's podcast, in, in, the, in the kind of main previews and reviews section, as I like to call it, Charles, is, brilliantly, King Charles III. <laughs> Some would say we planned this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, of course, a... It's a BBC Two drama, effectively. It's a 90-minute film, but it's adapted from Mike Bartlett's stage play, which you saw. I did. In, I went to see that. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the, in London's glorious West End. Exactly. Um, so we'll be reviewing that. We're also going to be reviewing, in the Virgin Viewer slot, which is the slot where two of us, two out of the three of us, have never seen this thing that we're going to review, and one of us has. It's usually me that's seen the thing, and I get Steph and Kay to review something that they haven't seen. And this week, it's something that you, Charles, and you, Kay, have not seen. It's called Sensate. It's on Netflix. It's the second season. And let's just say, I think it was a controversial choice on my part. I think that's not giving too much away. Yep. <laughs> Kate is giving, giving me daggers already. <laughs> and we haven't even started. We're also going to be reviewing in the first book of the podcast. Because I have to say, we're going to do, you know, every week we're going to do TV and films. Last week we did Guardians of the Galaxy. And to prove we're even going to do books, even, I don't know why even, I mean, books are very important. We're doing Paula Hawkins' new one, Into the Water. Of course, she wrote um, The Girl on the Train, which was an absolute global phenomenon, which both of you read, haven't you? Yep, yep, yep. yep. I didn't read that, but I saw the film, and this is the uh, new one. It's out um, next week, uh, May the 2nd, and we're going to review that. We're covering all the bases. We're covering all the bases, and in sharp contrast, Keith and Paddy's Picture Show, which is the new comedy series from Keith Lemon and Paddy McGuinness, which is going to go out on ITV on Saturday night. The, the new alleged comedy series. Uh, oh, Charles! Sorry. Spoiler alert. We can see what Charles thinks of that. We're also going to find out, because we're doing our first book of the of the podcast series, we're going to find out what our favourite books of all time are. We're also going to probe Charles about just whatever. I don't know. What give him a good probing. Yeah, give him a good probing. Yikes. <laughs> um, and first of all, though, in our Stuff We're Currently Watching section, as I like to call it, Line of Duty. So the Line of Duty finale... went. Out. If you're listening to this, so this podcast comes out on Tuesday. It went out on Sunday. We've all seen it. And we're going to have a spoiler-heavy analysis and discussion of that historic event, the last episode of the fourth series. Um, so if you if you don't want if you haven't yet had the chance to watch it, and you know you want to watch it on iPlayer, then alert, I think we are going to talk about it, you know, freely 
including spoilers, um, because I, I mentioned it last week. I'd already seen it last week, and I just said how I thought it was brilliant, but I didn't go into any detail. But we'll, we'll go into some detail. Um, so that's the first thing to talk about. Kay, what's your, what's your general feeling as you as you... As you watched it, were you reeling? Were you? Were, oh, I thought it was. I thought it was brilliant. It was just so good. I didn't guess any of the twists. Um, I had no clue who the um, you know the masked attacker was. Man. Yeah, Balaclava Man. man. Yeah. Um, and do you know what I loved? You know, Ted is my favourite character. Yeah. I just love the fact that who's more hands on this time because obviously you know like. Um, st- you know, Steve was in a bad way. His name Steve. Oh, not yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why he'd had a mind blank. Yeah, he'd been he'd been attacked on the staircase, fell down the yeah. stairs, yeah. ended up in hospital, and now he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. So Ted kind of like you know kind of came to the forms like right taking charge more more so than ever, and I just love that it was you know it's such an integral part of the show because he's for me a major character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Charles? Uh, well, I'm a massive fan of Line of Duty. Um, and my part, I've got a sort of slightly, frankly, brainy partner who doesn't normally watch kind of, I guess, sort of British, you know, cop dramas. Yeah. Do you and think beneath him? Well, he, well, no, it's not. This is it. I mean, he, he's, he's genuinely, he's a bit, I've got to say, he's a bit snooty about yeah. what he'll watch. When snooty it's br- McGooty. Exactly, British. But he is addicted to Happy Valley and to Line oh, of Duty. Yeah. Because they're both brilliant mm. shows, incredibly well written and incredibly well acted. And I thought, and what I thought was interesting about this series was, so Lee Ingleby, who plays Taddy Newton's husband, like yeah. initially I was, because... I don't know the know the guy, but I have I met him weirdly at the Latitude Festival last year. I had a like lovely Ooh. lovely chat with him. But, but look, boy, there's all these people. He's not he's <laughs> oh, not impressed yeah. with that. And yeah. but when he popped up, I was thinking, what a terrible part for Lee because you know his first two episodes, he really is just like the boring husband, doesn't do anything. Mm. But the way they developed his role throughout the course of the season was really good. Yeah. And I did I do I do think Tandy really was amazing in the in the yeah. in in the you know the part of the chief suspect. She I think she just brought such brilliant acting yeah. to that role. Didn't you think it was great that I don't think we've ever had a direct confe- confession before, have we? No. In the, and I thought no. that was brilliant because the, yeah. The, so the big the big um, interview scene. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's known for the the, the interview yeah. scenes, which are yeah. fantastic. And I thought this was one of the greatest ones. So yeah. this was where she was something. She she ended up. You know, they DC twelve thought right. You know, we're interviewing her with her with the lawyer um, played by Patrick Ballady of the Office fame. Mm-hmm. Who was in the Office. Um, and she effectively confessed yeah. in the end. You know, she was being... I mean, there was no way out at that point. They had yeah. incontrovertible evidence that she had killed um, uh, that character. What's his name? That character? Jason Watkins. Jason Watkins, your friend, Jason Watkins. He's another friend of yours. He is, weirdly. I mean, I actually know very few British TV actors, but, but, but <laughs> right. Martin Constant, Jason Watkins, and, yeah. and Lee Ingleby, who I vaguely met, <laughs> happen to be the three that I know. But Lee. yeah, carry on. Um, so there was no way out. She'd come, Tim, Tim Ifield, his character's name, she, she'd um, killed him. Kind of in self-defence, because he was coming at her with a chainsaw, to be fair. But then the, the incredible thing was when she turned it on mm-hmm. his head and exposed the lawyer, played, played by Patrick, Patrick Baldy, and his part in the whole thing, because he, he represented the poor guy that they stitched up. So Michael Farmer. Michael Farmer, thank you. Um, and that was just, you just, that was the big thing that you weren't, because I wasn't, yeah. wasn't expecting. Well, I think there was a real suspense in that film, in that scene, because she had been able to turn, like, every single time they, they're closing in on her, she's been able to kind of yeah. turn the tables, and they, they're presenting all this incontrovertible evidence, and you think, okay, Tandy, what have you got? What have up you, your sleeve. What yeah. have you got up your sleeve? And then, then she confesses, and you're thinking, where's this going, where's this going? And then, you know, she, that segue into starting to incriminate 
uh, him I thought was brilliant television. Yeah, so brilliant. I've got some questions. Yes. Okay, so why did she amputate his fingers? Because he, she could have still opened up his phone with his fingers if they were attached to his body. So why did she? I suppose they cut were more just more convenient, really. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, because she, he was no, gonna... no. She left the body because she needed to. She had the laptop and the phone in the in. She took the laptop and the phone, but the yeah. body stayed in the in the apartment. Oh, so, so it's just for needed... flexibility and ease. Exactly. Uh, otherwise, she has to go back to the crime scene every yeah. time she... she yeah, that's right. Sure, she lots more. Good Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good answer. Okay. Um, next question I have is... Um, so, Jed Mercur- Mercurio, the writer's yeah. fantastic at like tying up all the loose ends and explaining everything. One thing that I don't think was explained is, you know, in the previous series, Minnie has been such a great character in that she's always the one who is back, behind the scenes, like, helping out. And she kind of turned over the like her teammates mm-hmm. by yeah. kind of betraying them and giving evidence to Hastings um, yeah. not Hastings to Hilton, Hilton. Hilton. Yeah. yeah but that was never explained because that's so against type for her so like wh- yeah I agree with you why, so this was the one the one slight um, he had he had, he was manipulating her but yeah. I can't remember exactly the reason they don't think, he had don't something think on her or? yeah they didn't really make it clear I have to say okay. yeah so in the in the penultimate episode um, she there was that scene where she was going down in the lift and she yeah. told Hastings that she wanted to leave didn't she yeah mm. she'd you go know, on maternity Maternity leave, and she was kind of generally furious that she'd been embroiled in this whole yeah. thing by yeah. Hilton. But they didn't make it clear. I no, I think, but I think possibly deliberately. That's my only explanation. But you're right. So in the, she's not. It wasn't in the last episode, was she? No, and so it just it. went unexplained. It was really yeah. weird. So yeah. she left, and we don't really know why she felt. She, she had to betray her colleagues and what he had over her. Maybe I guess he, maybe we're either we're supposed to assume he had something over her, or just giving her money, or whatever. I don't know. I've you know, got a theory. She, go on. He's the baby daddy. Steady. Uh, Listen, but could I, be. But I love the different responses to this because because Kay watched that and th- quite reasonably thought, oh, they haven't explained this properly. I just watched it and thought, oh, I must be stupid. I must have like missed some. <laughs> yeah, no, key, I did as well. Listen, that is my of... default mode. I always think I'm being stupid, but I was like, no, I, key... I don't think I've missed this. Yeah, no, I don't think they addressed it really. I don't think they okay. made it. But it may be that that may be an element of season five, of course, because yeah. that's the that's the other thing. You know, it might just. But it did feel like. Oh, they they haven't resolved that, yeah. that part of it. See, but I, I can only assume deliberately. We need we need Jed Mercury to answer that. Yeah. But what I was going to say because you brought up Jed, and what was Jed? I mean, I do I, need, I know him a bit. Um, is that we, you and I, Kay, went to the launch. We went to the launch of this series, and and Jed Mercury was there with Tandy Newton, and they were being interviewed with Vicky McClure, and they all, they did a Q and A afterwards. And what was interesting was. Jed Mercurio said that this story, because all the previous three series have kind of been inter, interlinked, and they've had they had the character of Doc Cotton, who was you know one of, uh, you know was kind of one of the people who kept consistently scheming against mm. AC12, and mm-hmm. he was the insider, the caddy. Yeah. The caddy. Yeah. Then they had this whole story that there was definitely something going on with the senior police involved yeah. in dodgy dealings, and yeah. it was all an interconnected, complex conspiracy. Really, mm-hmm. he said about this series with the Tandy Newton arriving as the new protagonist. No, it's a clean break. It's we're, you know forget about the he lied series. to us. He lied to us. He what deliberately lied a to us. Fibber. Yeah. yeah. So he brilliantly, and why I thought it was fantastic of him to do that because so then when in the kind of penultimate episode became clear oh hold on there's more to this and now it's going to involve Hilton mm-hmm. particularly and then characters came back from series one and you know we were reminded of what happened in the previous three series it was a brilliant surprise that actually the whole thing ended up being even more 
inter- interconnected. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And the previous, so the whole thing, all four series are deeply woven together. I think it is, t- t- you know, as one, they form a kind of astonishing. And you know, talking about what what your what your partner Neil thinks of <laughs> British TV, a, a brilliantly ambitious, yeah, um, you know, kind of globally worthy of global attention. I think Line of Duty is being just a, a fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Can yeah. I ask my final question about this? I don't know if you know yes. the answers to it. Is Ted, aka Super Ted, my favourite character? Is he involved in this murky world? Because that's how they've left it. Well, I don't know about Charles, but my, I, I just thought that's you, you, the ending of the of the series, which is him going in his lift, and and uh, the other two, mm-hmm. <laughs> Vicky McClure, and Martin yeah. Thomas, to going in their lift, and the sh- final shot is the the lift doors closing on his face, looking ambiguous. You don't know. I think the next series, either the next series is going is to address that to some extent. You're, I think you're definitely meant to think, oh, maybe he is dodgy. Yeah. What do you think, Charles? Chaz? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, I just feel so many times. I think that the the show keeps on sort of dropping like little hints about his Masonic kind of connections, yeah. but I do feel that he's sort of his his actions are so often instinctively on the kind of the side of good, on the side of actually Moral, yeah. on, on the morally right course of action. I think that if they really do pull the rug from under his feet, in I, I I'll feel a little bit let down if they do yeah, that. I'm going to stop you. watching. In the manner of good, the I good agree. wife. I, my, my guess is, my strong feeling is that Jeb McCurry is toying with us and mm-hmm. is doing enough with the way the, that last episode was shown, particularly those last scenes, and that scene where his picture is up on the board yeah. with all the other previous... And he says, take that down. Yeah. And then yeah. Vicky, when Vicky McClure yeah. takes it down, she kind of, she sort of looks, she kind yeah. of almost, there's a moment where she's thinking, hmm, should I be taking exactly. this down? Exactly. I think I think definitely there were yeah. seeds that have been Seeds, so he's planted. toying with so that but I, I think in the end, I agree with Charles, I don't think he would do that complete 180 and turn him into uh, uh, actually he was dodgy all along I just think that I actually think that would undermine also mm-hmm. too much the previous four series so I think he's talking with us a bit just to give you know to kind of to, to set it up the next series and it is exciting and fascinating and maybe there's something he's done wrong you know maybe there's a, but but fundamentally I, I think he's a decent guy and I, and I think if, he if will. they do that it will be like the good wife when they killed off Will I'll be so gutted yeah it'll be, I think it'll every, be terrible every, everyone will be gutted and he's yeah. become he has Hastings has become the kind of cult hero isn't he now of the, yeah of the I told thing. you I want a t-shirt yeah. with Super Ted on it yeah we all do might just get this printed um, so yeah that would line anything, I mean I, th- I think bottom line is you know some. I think I said this last week about the f- the last episodes of Line of Juice that previously some people have been critical of them you know that they haven't quite lived up to or it's hard to you know end mm-hmm. these, these it's such a brilliant series that sometimes the explanation of what's happened is a bit either complicated do you remember that uh, incredibly detailed flashback mm-hmm. um, to the end of series 3 series 4 had yeah. Vicky McClure be a gun you know some, suddenly she was a kind of action, <laughs> action woman. Yeah. and some people thought that was a bit ridiculous this for me every step of the way felt so real and, and and exciting and tense the scene with the Balaclava Man of course, we should mention of course Balaclava Man is lots of different people which seemed to be the answer to that which I thought was very clever and kind of I believe that I also think the way that they incriminated Hilton was ge- was genius yeah. although I have to say because they put in the um in the catch-up at the beginning of the episode, they show the napkin with his mm. mobile phone number oh. one, which I thought, oh, yes. I thought was, hmm, I wonder what that's doing in the catch-up there. Yeah. Oh, I oh. didn't notice that. Yeah, um, very good point, but I yeah. did, But I did think that was brilliantly done, where yeah. they kind of, um, yeah. So my bottom line, yeah. yeah, so what I'm trying to say is in the end that I thought this was the best finale episode of the whole four series so far. It's fantastic, but you just think, how can they top this? That's the thing. Somehow, Gemma Curia finds a way to... We're having a massive gush here, aren't we? We are, yeah. Charles, but it is, hey. it is, brilli- it is brilliant. brilliant TV. Yeah. OK, massive gush over. That's enough gushing. 
Um, let's move on. There's a little bit of TV news. Kay, you went to the launch last week of the new BBC Two season, um, in which the head of BBC Two, the control of BBC Two, has probably given him his full title, announced like, what's the coming Formage. up. The Grand Formage. The Grand Formage announced what's coming up. And, and what was your particular... Did you have a particular highlight you'd like to pick out? Yeah, um, I've got to say, it's funny at this launch, because they had that awkward moment where they play, you know, the clips of the what's yeah. to come. And, you know, in real life, when you're trying to play something, and it's quite annoying because it buffers... They had that, but in front of a packed crowd of journalists, it was so awkward, and they restarted it about three times. So, but anyway, we finally got there, and yeah. um, highlights were uh, White Gold, which is a new original six-part series, which is going to um, be on our screens in May. And Charles, are you writing it down? The tip? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, I'm not going to have the benefit of your, I of your. That. I was going to say wisdom, but burblings. Uh, <laughs> when I, because I'm no, we're no, we're no longer going to be, you know, so so adjacent. Listen, future. you know, we're doing daily Skype sessions. Anyway, why? Gold uh, is from the co-creator of The Inbetweeners, Damon Beasley, and it stars Ed Westwick, who you'll know is Chuck Bass in Gossip mm-hmm, Girl. Charles, mm-hmm. I know you're a fan of Gossip Girl. Um, and also Joe Thomas and James Buckley from The Inbetweeners. And it's basically set in Essex, 1983, and they're like charismatic salesmen um, of double glazing, I think. Yeah. But it just looks brilliant. It looks really, really they good. They clip, do they? Yeah. yeah, and it, you know... It just looks fantastic. Yeah. Everyone loves Ed Westwick. And exciting news, you are, I believe, interviewing Ed Westwick uh, next week. Yeah, so I'll we'll be... Which maybe we'll hear the audio results of Depends, one day. Yeah, it depends how that goes. I mean, I'm setting that up now. I haven't, we haven't discussed this pro- previously, but... No, I, you haven't. I, I, remember how Ricky Whittle went. It was fine. Whittle. It was absolutely fine. Yeah, you, you sounded perfectly well with Ricky Whittle. <laughs> okay, um, also, I just want to yeah. tell you two other things. Yeah. Um, Louis Theroux's got a new documentary out, uh, Murder in Milwaukee. 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 Um, where he basically goes along with the cops, uh, the Milwaukee Police Department's homicide team, because as... Do you know what? There's actually the rate of it is about twelve times the national average of homicides really? in, Milwaukee right, in Milwaukee alone. Yeah, Blind. so he hangs out with the police and he also hangs hangs out with the families of the victims. So you know, any new Louis through is good news. It's obviously. fantastic. You know, yeah, it's brilliant. So there's that to look forward to, and also some uh, documentary on Bill Cosby, and about obviously his court case, yeah. and also um, something on George Best, which will be good. Yeah, always interesting. Yeah. I'm particularly looking forward to which I think they did mention at the launch, the new American Crime Story. which So series one was the O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. case, which was a brilliant 10-part drama. And I thought it was like just every step of the brilliant. way, I loved it. And so series two is about Hurricane Katrina and its aftermath and stars, among others, Matthew Broderick, um, I think. And BBC Two has bought that as well, so they're going to be showing that later this year. And in fact, the third series... I happen to know. I think it has been announced. It's all about Versace, Gianni Versace, and, oh, and wow. the, yeah, the death of him. And it's being written by my neighbour, Tom Rob Smith, who is the uh, excellent crime novelist who wrote London Spy. So well go. connected, yeah. both of you. So I am. I, I partly wanted to mention that for the name dropping aspect, but partly because I'm incredibly <laughs> excited about the Gianni Versace story as told in American Crime Story, written by Tom Rob Smith. Can I just say my neighbour's called Ben and isn't famous at all? To give him sure? a shout out. Are you sure he's not famous? He's not famous. Well, he's famous to me. Okay. From watering my plants. Okay. Um, any other news you want to mention? Oh, yeah, I was going to quickly mention in the TV news section that um, Harry Styles, it's been announced, is going to do a week of episodes of The Late Late Show in America with James Corden, starting May 15th. Um, and I think it's just exciting because, obviously, like, they're mates in real life, and but just the fact they're going to find funny stuff for him to do every night is going to, I think, sing a song every night. His album comes out on the 12th, which hopefully, if we get to hear it, will... I'm saying this again, like, review on this, this podcast. <laughs> if we get to hear it, who knows? But it's just the idea of them together bouncing off each other, I think, is exciting. Okay, are you excited? I'm very excited. You know I love Harry Styles. 
Charles, fan? Uh, uh, p- probably, <laughs> I'm. I probably won't be able to find time to watch that. I think. You know? Honest. But you, I, yeah. Look, I've got film. film You're a busy man. Film screenings every evening. Yeah, it's tough. You know, a partner that frankly is not going to encourage that. No. So you know, <laughs> it's like, where am I going to f- squeeze that totally. one in? Absolutely. So anyway, if you are interested, it's going to be. It's, so they have the Late Late Show with James Corden. You can get it every the day after it goes out in America. Every day on Sky here on Sky Catch Up. If you've got Sky on Demand or whatever they call it, yeah. So you'll be able to watch it here. And that's all, and that is quite. I've used the word exciting again. Don't worry, I've been using fantastic every five seconds. Oh my god! I mean, I use the same. I say brilliant every week. (laughs) I just apologise for saying the same words repeatedly. Um, Now, in the in the main previews and reviews section, we're going to start with King Charles the Third, which we have partly. We've partly picked it in honour of the fact that it's celebrate Charles Week. The ledge that isn't the legend of Charles Charles Gann. Who, by the way, how many years you've been at Heat Magazine, Charles? Uh, This is a number that I hate to (laughs) say, but since you have put me on the spot, eighteen and a bit. Yeah. I mean, I've only been at 17 years, so Charles, Charles, any, even longer than me, extraordinary. Charles and I have been working together for 17 and a half years, Kay. The original bromance. Yeah. Yeah. Do we, how long have you been at Heat, by the way, Kay? We don't need to talk about we that. Don't we don't need to. Be honest. Oh, let's got, be okay, honest yeah. tonight. Right. With the right. 13. Oh, it's nothing. A mere peccadillo. <laughs> anyway, King Charles, Charles as in Prince Charles, the real Prince Charles, has been around, waiting for a long, even longer mm. than I've been at Heat Magazine to become the king. And that is kind of the point yeah. of King Charles III coming up on BBC Two. Um, and on Wednesday the 10th of May at 9 o'clock, by the way. Um, so, Charles, you saw the play. Let's I saw the well, play. I'm going to let you to set up. Let's tell yeah. us the kind of rough setup of this of this fictional version of the lives of King Charles and Prince Charles and the royal family. So the fictional version is that the Queen has died... Yeah. Uh, sad news, everybody. R.I.P. And um, Prince, so Prince Charles automatically becomes king. He's not yet been had his coronation, and it becomes very clear from the get-go that he is going to operate differently from the kings and queens of, I would say, uh, putting my history hat on, r- roughly the last two hundred years, two hundred <laughs> yeah. or so years, and he is actually going to play a role in. You know, legislation, as we all know, has to go through the Commons and the Lords and then be assented to by the King, or the monarch, rather. And um, he's actually going to play an active role in that process. And the first piece of legislation that hits his desk is a kind of press regulation. And he declines consent uh, because, you know, he has a moral uh, objection to it. And, uh, of course, this creates a constitutional crisis because the monarch has been, frankly, quite decorative for the last couple of centuries and um, a huge hullabaloo ensues. Meanwhile, um, the stuff going on with the royal princes, including Prince Harry, who meets this uh, young woman from a completely different life experience and really, you know, suddenly for the first time, he kind of feels like he sees a possibility of leading a different life, which kind of adds to the... She's a commoner. She's a she lives in a council, yeah. council estate. Exactly. And she doesn't even like the monarchy. She doesn't even believe in the monarchy, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I saw the stage play as well. And interesting, because the stage play was about three hours long, wasn't it? Maybe even longer. I remember it being... Oh, uh, was it really long? Yeah, it was okay. really long. Um, and, of course, the thing about... And it, uh, we should say that... So this is written by Mike Bartlett, who wrote Doctor Foster, mm-hmm. a brilliant series on TV. He actually also wrote... It's a big week for him, because he wrote the next episode of Doctor Who that goes out um, on Saturday, um, which is called The Caretaker and stars Poirot. And he's very oh, good. David Suchet. David Suchet. 
Um, so he's a very talented, brilliant writer. Mm-hmm. And this, and I think this, the reason I saw it is because it won the Southbank Show Best um, Play of the Year Award, which I, I am a judge on. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it got huge acclaim at the time when it came out. I think generally everyone thought it was, you know, one of the, the, the best new play of that year a few years ago, if not. And now, so he's adapted his own play. And, it, and one of the interesting things about it, it's written in blank verse. So effectively, it gives it a whole. Kate's already looking askance at me. We know what she thinks about that decision. So, and what I was going to say was, when you're watching it on stage, yeah, that kind of quasi-Shakespearean quality. That so, you know, it's it's deliberately the way that particularly the royals speak is deliberately yeah. archaic. Yeah, and they're speaking in this rather contrived, overblown way. It's Shakespearean. I mean, other characters. So the the commoner love interest um, for Prince uh, Harry. She, she's kind of... She speaks in more normal words, if you like. Yeah, yeah. More normal sentences. But most of it is written in that sense. And it does give it a weird quality. And my feeling was, on stage, you kind of go along with that. And you kind of actually go along with all the slightly um, far-fetched elements to it, shall we say. But I did feel... On, I don't know what you thought, Charles. On watching it on TV in a much more real... Being, it's filmed yeah. in a you know quite realistic way. So yeah. when the riots start, because everyone starts complaining about the fact that the, king, the, the new king is taking over politics and is getting involved and he shouldn't be involved, and there's riots and there's anarchists, and all that is filmed very well. But it meant that the rather contrived, unreal bits felt even more peculiar to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to just agree with everything <laughs> that Boyd has just said in that it is quite an intrinsically theatrical conceit. And I think the stage is the sort of the natural space where it should exist. That is, of course, really annoying. If you listen to this podcast, you didn't see the stage play because it's it's like it's not going to be revived anytime no, soon. Sorry. So the choice is, do I watch this or, or not? Yeah. Um, I would say I mean, it's not. still really interesting, isn't it? I mean, okay. Uh, I, I thought I was still, I, I was still because I, I couldn't remember a lot of the stage play because it was a few years ago. So I was yeah. still intrigued by it, and it was interesting. So you know, like we say, Charlotte Riley plays Kate Middleton. You know, um, Oliver Chris. Oliver Chris plays Obviously King Charles, and of course, Tim Baker Smith, who sadly yeah. died recently, yeah. um, is phenomenal. I think mm-hmm. as as King Charles, as Charles, mm-hmm. he kind of he, you see bits of the real Charles that we all know so well, but it, it, he just plays him as this kind of tragic, confused bewildered slightly you know ridiculous figure brilliantly so you weren't happy with it though Kay I can tell no I wasn't a fan at all I thought I'm I thought it's preposterous like I just thought the whole concept of it um what the idea that he would actually not assent to a piece of legislation or the Harry storyline or the idea all of it Charles like yeah all of it I mean that, thought, and 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 the Harry, oh, the Harry having the relationship with the common a bit. I I thought that didn't work on the TV version. No, and like you know, um, I thought. I mean, King King Charles, he yeah. fantastic performance as you say. But apart from that, I just thought it was just ridiculous. And I thought talking in rhyming couplets didn't really sit that well with me. Um, the bits to camera, you know, yeah. they're, they're, every now and again, there's you know, split the action with talking to camera, yeah. kind of randomly. Yeah, he addressed the camera quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. The visions of Diana. Yes, there are can visions we talk of about Diana. those visions yes, of Diana? Yeah. I mean, she, I, so he's strolling around Buckingham Palace and he suddenly sees her in the shadows and starts talking to her. Yeah, but it's a really interesting for me an interesting challenge because we you know some amazing plays that have yeah. had huge acclaim. Like so, there's a play called Jerusalem, for example, yep. that was on at the Royal Court that transferred to West End. So Enron, you know, but that was intrinsically theatrical. Yes. and it, TV executives, film executives have like always you know sniffing around these properties, thinking. Oh God! But you know, we, there must be a movie in that. But by and large, they're really hard to do. I mean, Frost yeah. Nixon, they kind of yeah, yeah. managed to yeah, do it was, to do it with. But I, I do wonder. You know, the people. You know, you're sitting down. Yeah. You're, you're on your sofa. You're you're turning on the TV. Whatever. You. I think 
a lot of head scratching will yeah, be I agree. will be occurring. I agree, yeah. The CGI as well. Did you notice that? Uh, what, what bits? Do you, um, like, when they were the, doing the yeah, kind of crowd scenes and yeah, the, and also when he was on the balcony, it was just oh, yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, it just know. felt a bit like it didn't feel like a BBC production for a start for oh, me. Okay. And also, what's the um, the royal drama with Liz Hurley? Do you remember? Oh, the royals it on the E Channel. Like, <laughs> it felt wow. really that, that. Wow. Yeah. That. Wow. That is that is harsh. <laughs> Sorry. It, honestly. That's how it felt. You know to me. what? I, 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 to be fair, I, there was one moment where um, Harry is standing outside um, um, the the council estate where yeah. his commoner lover is, and he's shouting up to her. And they, her flatmate comes out and tells him to f off. That did remind me of the royal. So I think that <laughs> bit, I thought actually you're right. Yeah, it was just it's hard. Uh, Charles is right. It's really hard to do, and I don't think they pulled it off. Yeah, I, 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 but I think there's enough. I would yeah. encourage people to watch it because it is intriguing. Um, Kay doesn't agree. <laughs> I disagree. I mean, look, it might have been a great uh, theatre production, but I think probably they sure. should have left it there okay. on the stage. Well, if you do want to watch it, it is on BBC Two next Wednesday, 10th of May at nine o'clock. And finally, what star rating then? Would you, Charles, what star rating would you give it? Um, I'd give it three, I think. Yeah. Okay. Two. two. It's a two from me. i give it three and a half. Yeah. Oh, we'll add halves? We are. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? It's anarchy, Charles, right, okay. in the podcast. Yeah, we, we allow <laughs> half. what the hell we wow. want. Yeah. We don't have half in the magazine. wasn't in the briefing. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Um, now, we're moving on to a probably even more controversy. So, in the Virgin viewer slot, where we try and do a show that or a thing that two of us haven't seen ever before. Yeah. Uh, we did Britain's Next Door Model last week, Charles, because I'd never seen it. Um, and we did Doctor Who in our first week because Kay and Steph have never seen that, even wow. if it's going on for 50, 53 years or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this week, I mean, I was looking around, I, and I. So on Netflix, there's a show called Sensate. Mm-hmm. It's created, co created by Lana Wachowski, famous yeah. of the Matrix fame and all those things. Yeah. And it's a really interesting concept. And season one went out like a couple of years ago. There was a Christmas special, weirdly, that was on this Christmas on Netflix, a two hour special, <laughs> which is incredible. And it is a weird concept. It is about a group of eight people who are psychically linked. They're all dif- dis- dispersed around the world in different areas of, of, of the planet. But they're all psychically linked and at key moments in their lives they kind of somehow come together and the show visualises that by sometimes literally showing them all together doing stuff or some of them all kind of even though they're arrive, not physically even present even though they're not physically present yeah but to them they are yeah and to yeah. the outside world they're not so it is a weird concept and hard to execute so what, what before I let's see what you both think yeah. I will preface it by saying I find it kind of both kind of a bit kitschy and a bit cheesy because it's kind of partly a celebration of difference and and uh, you know the fact that there's gay lesbian trans people people of all color around the world so it's partly a celebration of that that's kind of one of its big um, selling points I think but also the fact that it's kind of visually spectacular and I, I think it's got a kind of self-aware kind of slightly cheesy quality. They know that it's all a bit ridiculous and, and I quite like that element to it. So that's an explanation of why I like it. Is it a guilty pleasure for you? Or- no, I don't feel guilty about anything, no. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but and before, I, and before I, and the final thing I want to say is I'm sure when it starts on Netflix on Friday, there will be an easy like summary yeah, yeah. of what's happened before. Whereas yeah. what are you both had to watch the first episode of season two without that summary, and I can tell even before you say anything, you were probably bewildered. So I think it's kind of unfair we didn't have the summary. Is what I would say yeah. because I was very confused. <laughs> 
And I mean, it didn't help that I was uh, watching it at work with people kind of talking over me. You know what I mean? So I was wasn't listening and maybe watching it in the best circumstances. So I, yeah, maybe I'm you not focus well placed. Your but yeah, I just I found it really confusing and it did take away from my enjoyment because I was just constantly just thinking, wait a minute, who, what is that real or is that? Yeah. Was there anything like so in this different strand? So there's 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 different all the different um, characters. These eight main characters have all their different stories. So like there's a gay guy who was closeted, yeah, an Spani- actor, a Spanish actor, actor. Yeah. who's got a boyfriend, and in the first series he was closeted for most of the time, and then it kind of forced to come out, and now he went to go to his big premiere of his film. In the yeah, and you weren't report- interested in that? No, no, I was interested in that. Okay. I mean, that was probably one of the few parts I understood <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the reporter like yeah. uh, calls him up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. It was good, it? Charles. Yeah. What do you think? I think you'd be <laughs> you know, less befuddled than me. Well, I, I was befuddled, but you know what? I I like I really liked it oh, uh, from what I saw of it. It was funny because I was kind of watching it, and I I thought I I know what you know. I'll have a quick look on Wikipedia. You oh, know, smart! I got, I got the premise. It was like these eight people who were kind of empathetic, empathetically linked. I didn't quite understand that they were. You know, sometimes they seem to be physically present with each other. That yeah. that was sort of threw me for a bit. But then initially, you know, I literally looked at it for 30 seconds thought, I'll be fine. Ten minutes in, I hit the pause button. <laughs> I went and got my tablet and I was, you know, looking. It was a Google. I was, there was a bit more research needed yeah. to kind of carry on with that. And I really could have done with the catch up. Yeah. But from what I saw, I thought it looked really interesting. Mm. And it's probably not the kind of thing that I, you know, would watch because just because I've got you know, sorry to be, you know, boring, but film screenings every evening, and it's it's like I films, have, blah blah. I have to I have to be you know really quite kind of focused in my choices. <laughs> yeah. But I was really glad that I oh, was you know, you know because you know you you sent me the link. I sort of I forced you to watch. You're glad I forced you to watch it. Exactly, and 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 also like the the German guy. Yeah. Uh, Max. Max Reimelt. Oh, he's a handsome guy. The handsome yeah, oh the ha- he's handsome. Yeah. I mean, I, I know Wolfgang. that. I know here on this podcast we're probably above these con- considerations, but <laughs> he is phenomenally handsome. Suddenly, that picture interests Charles. And, well, looking um, at tablets so I much. Just, weirdly, I'd just seen him in this movie oh, called okay. Berlin Syndrome. Oh, this, cool. uh, kind of uh, sort of indie indie movie, and he is. Uh, He's, you know, unsurprisingly, also incredibly handsome in, in that film yeah. as well. Um, and let me just point out that if you do go back and watch the previous um, 14 episodes or whatever there are okay. of the show, he is frequently naked. Okay. As are all the cast. Suddenly, Charles is cancelling screenings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of the things about, because you were talking, the interesting point you made about how, you know, how, are they physically together or not? And it's quite confusing. I'm, I'm still confused and I've watched, you know, like hours and hours of this stuff. But one of the, 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 the big things that happen is it because this is Netflix and they obviously they mm. like nudity sex violence and swearing <laughs> of which all of that is covered this episode was one of the least had less of that than normal so Are in we? the Christmas special let me just say now there's a there's an orgy among the, all the eight characters and their respective interests wow. and they're all having or every kind of uh, rumpy pumpy you could possibly imagine <laughs> so you know just think that about that for a minute it's not used enough yeah Okay. I, this one was quite tame then. It was tame, yeah, I'm afraid. I think, yeah, if you'd been less tame, you probably would have. Oh, you uh, should have got us yeah. in episode I also think it looked good. And I it thought, looks I, I kind of thought the, you know, the costume, costume design and production design, they were all having a bit of a laugh. There's like one exactly. sequence where I think there's like sort of a me- four women walking in a row, you know, yes. most of which are kind of female academics and they kind of look like they're probably just going to a rave or something. Yeah, right, like, yeah exactly. On, on what universe would th- those people be dressed like that? 
but yeah. it makes for entertaining that was cool. television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that, that Charles liked it. Yeah. yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We can't all like everything, but that. But that's the point of the Virgin slot is that, mm. you know, I tr- we try and open each other up to new experiences. Wow. Hey, what? <laughs> no. In the, in, the, in the nicest possible way. Of course. Um, well, if you do want to try and watch Netflix uh, Sensate on Netflix, it starts on the fifth of May. All ten episodes in classic Netflix style drop. In one go, I'm very excited to see the rest of the... I only watched the first one of this series and to watch the, the other nine. <laughs> Kay, I doubt you will be. No. How many stars will we give Sense8, Charles? I'm giving it four. Four stars. Kay. I'm going to give it three. Oh, OK. Listen, have you been swung? Have you been persuaded? Yeah. I have been swung. And also, well. my benchmark is King Charles III. Yes, true, yeah. Definitely, definitely more fun than King Charles III. I'm going to give it four. Four to four and a half. Yeah. Um, now then, let, we're doing our first book of the podcast. Hopefully, one of many because you know why not? It's good to read. It's good to read. But we, I think, the idea of the podcast in many ways, I like to think, was we're picking out the big cultural things of the week, and without doubt, the arrival of the new Paula Hawkins novel, um, whose Girl on the Train, is one of the must be one of the kind of phenomenal successes yeah, in the world of fiction I think so. over the last five years or so, I would say. Um, her new one is Into the Water. Um, now, well, I was, the big, who, who gets the, the booby prize <laughs> of having to explain <laughs> this novel, this plot? I mean, Magazine, the basic, not me. I mean, I have to say, I, to help myself, and I printed out for everyone, the New York Times review, which kind of goes into quite a lot of detail about all these different characters. But what we should say is, I, I, shall I explain it? Shall I start? Yeah, by go for it. Fill your boots, People are probably yeah. sick of the sound of my voice particularly. But let's just say that it's all about... It's set in this uh, British town called Beckford, um, which there is this kind of uh, river and a part of the river called the Drowning Pool. Where Why would you go there? Right. That's my question. Yeah. The clue's in the title. Exactly. Where seemingly, like... Loads of women have died. Now, now, some of them have committed suicide. Some of them have been accused of being witches and drowned hundreds of years ago by horrible, nasty male townsfolk. Some of them, the main focus of the novel is um, that a grown woman has died and people are assuming it's suicide mm-hmm. um, in, in, this, in this drowning pool place. Her, this woman's sister arrives to kind of... who They're estranged and she arrives yeah. to kind of look to find out what was going on and also look after her her teenage daughter, whose best friend also drowned in the same place a few weeks earlier. And that's also a mystery that we don't know whether people are assuming it was suicide. It's like midsummer murders where everything happens, just all murder, murder, murder in the same place. Yeah, and not only that, but the woman who, the the adult woman who, who drowned, who died in the river, was writing a book about the history of the river and loads of people dying in it. Coincidence? That's the kind of basic of it. And what, and the big thing about this novel, the big kind of, for me, the big issue... So in I'm, I'm right in thinking that um, The Girl on the Train was narrated by three different Three different characters. people, right. three different characters, yeah. This is narrated by nine or ten, <laughs> maybe even eleven different characters. In fact, narrated by six or seven. And, and there's another four who which are... Um, told in the third person. Told in the third person, but yeah. the focus is on them. Yeah. And the whole book, you know, it jumps from between these ten, eleven characters... And it's hard, isn't it, Kay, to get yeah. a grip Listen, on? Listen, I did it... Right, so I read this book. I had it for the weekend. I was lucky I got two days to spend on it. And I read it, and I thought it was great. Like, she is the queen of gripping, psychological whodunits. So, you know, that that's just... Take it as read that it is as gripping as, you know, Girl on Train. However, as you say, 
it is confusing because I counted them up. So for this podcast, I thought, oh, you know what? Because oh. I'm getting a bit confused. I drew a little diagram, oh like a God, web diagram. You, you have written a diagram. Drawn I did a, a little spider diagram. Took Brilliant. it back to old school. Um, and there are 17 characters that I could think of. Name, seven, wow. name 17 yeah. characters, right? Yeah. And like, as you say, at least six or seven of them take, you know, each chapter is dedicated to their perspective. Mm-hmm. Most of my time was taken up with, wait a minute now, so who was she? Or what, what, how is his connection? And, and I think that is a big thing. And we had the benefit already. of the printed book. Can you imagine on the Kindle, you'd be like zipping backwards and forwards going, who's that again? The, well, I hadn't uh, thought my, of that. My yeah. feeling is it's like the, the three, narrate, I think the three-person narration was really great in, in Girl on the Train, but it was a bit like, I think Paula Hawkins was kind of thought, oh, I'm going to top that. It's a bit like, ooh, yeah. one louder. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. how, how far can we... Can we, you know, they like. Oh, if you like that, yeah. you're, you're gonna, lo- you're gonna love, you're gonna love this. Yeah. But maybe. But I think with 17 characters, you just. It is incredible. And funny enough, well, I'm looking at your um, diagram. Your kind of it's like a, mm. a, a tree diagram of the different characters. That's what the book needs. And I wondered at some mm. point. I thought because we've got we're reading an uncorrected book proof yeah. from the publisher. I thought oh, maybe in the finished book, which we haven't got, there will be one of those. But I don't think there is because all the reviews. I was, I was looking at different reviews after I read it. Um, all mention the same thing. That you know, and I, I wondered. I mean, you know, I used to review books on the radio every week, like two a week for years. So I'm used to, I thought maybe it's just me that I've got so old and befuddled that I can't keep track of characters now in a novel. But every the New York Times lays into the fact that there are too many characters to keep track of, and we need Kay, your diagram needs to be in the front of the book. Do you think I should tweet her or something? Yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I'm happy to I do wonder, that. Who's the publisher? It is a Double Day. You, Kay, sell your diagram to Double yeah. Day. Listen, I will even. Do you know what? I'll even just photo copy it around and just hand it yeah. out to people buying it at what WHO Do you know I think not? the problem is as well so we, 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 we record the podcast we're recording this on a Friday it comes out the podcast listeners can, can download it or whatever they do on Tuesday I'm afraid the book is out in shops the, on the Tuesday the 2nd of May uh, so it's so a bit late too late for us to, to include your diagram oh, in, the, in the book maybe in the paperback <gasps> maybe as an addendum to this podcast we just give it out to everyone yeah. that way Yeah. but can I also just as a user service I have to tell you it's 353 pages I think this is important if you're a <laughs> commuter yep. and I would say you might need an extra bag for that that's not one that's going to slip in your handbag well, okay so I think you need the other thing a, I was unless say. you're watch, obviously on a Kindle I know you're going to say that Charles aren't you no I was going to say I mean, the, sometimes, sorry I was going to really boringly say that sometimes the proof is like it's bigger isn't it I mean, yeah that's actual, right yeah it might not is, be yeah good not point be, Charles it's yeah. quite the brick no, could exactly. you fit that as it stands in a handbag that's why my question to you into my handbag yeah um, your man, man bag. bag into my man well um, it would go in my bag but frankly mm. I've got enough Rubbish I'm carrying around all the time. I mean, that's yeah. why you're walking like with a hundred. We should say, to be, fair, to, be, to be fair, we've discussed the fact that there are too many, it's confusing, right? But I, I on the plus side, this, this is, I do want to make this point though. In the end, I kind of liked it. I, I have to say, so once I, you know, once you find out who's done what to whom, and there are big mysteries and big revelations, there are also, we should say, among those like 11, how many characters you counted? I up? counted 17. There's a, a, there's a lot of them whose stories are just not actually that important in the end, aren't there? I mean, we should say that. So again, to, to mention that floor. But bottom line in the end, actually, I was kind of satisfied finally, and I thought, oh, and, and, and there's big revelations right on the last page. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, that's there's interesting. There's lots of twists and yeah. turns. To me, it felt like I can imagine this as a TV series in the manner of Broadchurch. Well, I think it's been sold as a film already. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. I think, I think the, the people done. who made Girl on the Train have pre, pre-bought this rights Have they it. read it? Because <laughs> I, I, I I'd say, they might yeah. say, mm, actually, yeah, I think it's a TV series. Yeah, it could be, yeah. With multiple parts, yeah. and then like with Broadchurch, how you, everything's interwoven. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it has um, got. You're right. Yeah, there, there's way more characters that could be capable of doing bad stuff. Um, yeah, and you just cast like Keely Hawes. 
Yeah, definitely. Kate, you're, you're, you're wasted on us. What am I a doing on this flipping podcast? A, a commissioning editor <laughs> role awaits. And I wonder, the other thing I was going to say is, I wonder if the audiobook will have a different person reading no, all the different... No, that would be ridiculous. Really? Like, I think it would be good. I think it would be yeah. easier to keep track. Oh, yeah. God. I think it might work. You need it. You need yeah. it. All right, so that's Into the Water by Paul Hawkins. It's out today if you're listening to this. It'll certainly be out by the time anyone listens to it. Go to a bookshop if you want. My you, map coming soon. My character Give map. us feedback if you think we're being stupid and, 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 and by not being able to keep track of all the characters. How many stars, Kay, would you give Into the Water by Paul Hawkins? I will give it a solid three stars. Three stars. I'm, I'm very, I'm very generous. On uh, three and a half, I'm going to give it three and a half. Charles Gant. Um, well, boy, as you know, the window that you gave me to, <laughs> yeah, to complete true. this assignment uh, was, 30 seconds was somewhat, in was somewhat brief. Um, yeah. From what I read, I would, um, I, I didn't get to all of those exciting revelations. I got a lot of characters set up. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. what I read would definitely be three. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, thanks very much. Yeah, we didn't give Charles enough time to read that, but we should. We that should was unfair. That. Crystal of us. clear. That very unfair. unfair. Absolutely. Finally, in the main. Uh, previews and reviews section of the podcast in in sh- perhaps the sharpest contrast we've ever had on this. I mean, we've read it. This is only our fourth episode. Um, Keith and Paddy's picture show. Keith Lemon, Paddy McGuinness together at last. Actually, they've worked together a lot. So they, this is kind of a spin-off, just to explain, of an element of Keith Lemon's sketch show, which went out I think last year and the year before on ITV Two. And in every episode, he would get together with Paddy McGuinness of Take Me Out Fame, and they'd do a spoof. Of a film, they do a scene or a couple of scenes spoofing films. In this show, which starts on next Saturday at nine fifteen on ITV after Prince Got Talent, the two of them gather with other people, um, other actors, and um, funny people come together to spoof one film a week. In the first case, Dirty Dancing. So Keith and Paddy and um, uh, and their mates spoof Dirty Dancing, quite a vulgar, in classically vulgar Keith Keith Lemon style. And but the, here's the weird bit before I find out what you both think, just to explain the format of the show, interwoven with a straight parody pastiche of Dirty Dancing are faux documentary bits where they interview the the Keith and Paddy and their other and their mates as if they're pretending to have like had conflict behind the scenes during the filming of yep. what we're watching. Which, which I did. You are describing this accurately. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Yeah. Which was a bit odd. I wasn't expecting that. I have to say, and there was a little bit of that in, in the in the Keith Lemon sketch show, but it was definitely uh, it was definitely and it's you know for a prime time Saturday night show nine fifteen ITV. Post it's quite a bold. It's quite a bold <laughs> move, isn't it, Charles? I mean, I don't know. So I'm intrigued, Charles. You're a man of great distinction and it's dignity. Like, that is very. That's a kind kind thought. I don't. My guess is you probably haven't don't know much of the Keith Lemon oeuvre. This is true. Although I did. Uh, Interview him in Cannes, bizarrely, because they were doing this. They did this press, so fancy. press promotional thing for Keith Lemon, the, the movie, movie. Yeah, which I, to this day I have not seen, by the <laughs> right. way. But I met him and the he, the lead actress in that film yeah. that he fancies. Yeah. Um, oh my god! Like Can't everyone's remember. looking at me blankly. We don't expect you to the name. Of yeah, the, the, remember the name of the lead actress in the uh, Keith Lemon movie. Um, so um, you're, you're you're right that I'm. I'm not that familiar with. I obviously know who he is, yeah. and I know that he, you know, have have given him a lot of support over yes. the years. Um, really, kind of not for me. The my feeling about this is though that even at 30 minutes, it felt very stretched. Right. I mean, I loved the Adam and remember the Adam yes. and Joe show. Yes. They, they used to do the movie spoofs with the little sock puppets, and they were short sketches. And yep. they, you know, French and Saunders, you know, did little like, movie spoofs. Spoofs are, sh- you know, short. Yeah. Short, please. You know, like th- a 30-minute thing about Dirty Dancing 
you know, you know, replacing the pregnancy with constipation. <laughs> and it just felt very stretched. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I have to say, I wasn't expecting... When I was sent the press release for this series... Um, which said went into some detail about. In fact, I, 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 you know, it explains like all the different films. Yeah. They're, they right. are literally their Keith and Paddy's favourite films. So right. Jaws is going to come up. Okay, um, Star Wars, Star Wars, Ghostbusters. And I thought, oh, you know. So what we're going to get is every week there'll be four or five different films they spoof. But no, it is one a week. Yeah. Kate, what did you think? So stretch is the key word. I totally agree with that. And I fully expected not to like this, and then I found it really funny. And I don't find, you know, generally I'm not a particular fan of Keith Lemon he doesn't make me laugh so much I found it I I honestly was surprised I actually lulled at one point Um, the constipation bit Okay, listen, I've got a basic level of humour that did make me chuckle also the bit where um, Paddy's singing uh, Hungry Eyes and Keith's on sax the whole dance routine it did feel stretched but I think in spite of that I think it was very funny and I, I would actually watch another episode of it yeah, and I, also John Barrowman. Can we mention there's like cameos as well? Yes, so. mm-hmm. yes, please as go. As the choreographer. Yeah. yeah, so there's funny cameos who I think work really well. Yeah, so John, yeah, John Barrowman played himself, um, kind of as who'd been brought in as the choreographer um, because he's such a you know West End veteran of musicals and stuff that he could show <laughs> Keith and Paddy. And, and there's a lot of stuff about oh you know that he's getting too close. To Paddy particularly says yeah, it's, it's, it has there's a kind a, of slightly homophobic attitude towards pa- pa- him. I think Paddy. So the whole thing with pa- pa- Paddy is like homosexual panic. Yeah. I think is his old school. <laughs> It's, you know, it's a bit like, you know, just, it's like, is there really even like, you know, a straight man in the world that would have a problem doing what Paddy's like know, being asked to do? Would it, it didn't kind of, yeah. you know, it would have been funny if it rung true to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that did have a little twist in the end, which I think they're but, leading up to the, the, uh, yeah. the which not to spoil it. There's okay. even spoilers you can, you can have right. for this kind of show, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of with Kay. I, I, you know, I th- I'm totally, I think the, the one <laughs> spoof a week does take a lot of getting used to and is ambitious yeah. to say the least. Um, I didn't. I wasn't bored though, so you know I was kind of amused all the way through, really. So and, and I think Larry Lamb, the Larry Lamb in it. was in it. Yeah, um, Jessica Hines. You know, oh, I mean, Jessica, yeah, yeah, brilliant but, talent. I mean, yeah, but didn't really kind of quite exploit her talent. I um, didn't, no, I didn't. No, feel. but I mean, she's she just ama- give it. A, she's amazing. Yeah. A kind of you know patina of of, of class. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hate is gonna hate. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, overall, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was fun. But I think I probably, I think I, if if I'd have been the producer, you know, they'll think you to say this. I probably would have mixed them together, maybe, you know. So the film, there's going to be five episodes. Multiple spoofs. Just, just jumble them together yeah. might have been more yeah. Yeah, a better yeah, yeah. way of doing. It, I don't know. But oh, kudos, I have to say, kudos to ITV. It's different, you know. Saturday night, you know, we used to just you know try something new, game shows, and you know, yeah, it's, for it's sure. a completely but then, different thing to show. Sure. On but then Saturday I would night. like never. I mean, I'm going to sound like a complete. Annoying snob, but I, I would never ever watch anything on ITV on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Even oh my if I, god, Charles! If what? I was in, do you I'd... even watch anything on ITV? Um, he doesn't I have believe... that channel. He's had it deleted off his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, be- I believe I have done, but I mean, you know, um, it would be something you know that's been put on the hard drive that was good. You know, I don't, I don't, just, yeah. I don't just sit there flicking channels to pass the time. I mean, no, life's I mean, too short. Life's too short for that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. How many stars would you give um, Keith and Paddy's picture show ITV Saturday, sixth of May, nine fifteen? Kate, four stars. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it four as well. Oh Charles. my god. Um, Come well, on, curmudgeon. We're giving it. No, be honest. I mean, it, no. just, it just was not for me. So mm. maybe one and a half. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's the lowest yeah, we've yeah, ever honest. had. I like that. Sorry. Honest, I like no, don't apologise us. Pa- apologise to Keith what, and Paddy. That's what you get. That's that's why Charles is a, is a living legend. <laughs> that's why he's been here for eighteen years. <laughs> he's doing it because he's Dean more pappy. Talking of which, so in the final in the final section of of the podcast, um, which is question time, I feel it'd be harsh to get you to, to sing the question time theme to you on your own. Normally, no, you I and mean, Steph do on. that together. No, you don't want to do it. it? Yeah. Oh, you do want to do it. Okay. Question time. I was meant to join in with that, wasn't I? But obviously, no, I wouldn't I ever no expect I, you to lower your standards I to do that, Charles. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't, we, it's just me know. that's the performing yeah. monkey. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't know what the theme tune is to the question time section of the podcast. I mean, so to be fair, no one does by listening to it either. Steady. When we've done like 800 episodes, when you have me on again, I will. I won't do it then either. No. Of course. Wearing a sombrero. No. Being the shy boy that I am. Yeah, the official question of Question Time this week is because we've done our first book review, of book, okay. it's what your favourite book book or books of all time. But I think generally we should find out what Charles' favourite stuff is, generally, because we're commemorating him, okay. aren't we? Mm. That's kind. Um, but what, is your, what are your favourite... What's your, what, if you have to pick one book... <sighs> this is so weird, because the, I probably shouldn't say this, but we had this slight conversation sort of broke out yesterday, yeah. and Boyd named his two favourite books yeah. of all time. and. They are actually my also. Oh, they're also weird, like my two, and that is because we don't really have conversations about books. No. And so, for um, anyone who wasn't in the office yesterday, yeah, what, what was so Sorry, yeah, but so they are uh, Catcher in the Rye, yeah. and The Great Gatsby. Wow, interesting. Classic. But from like the last sort of maybe decade, yeah. I, I think a really amazing book that blew my mind was The Corrections uh, by Charles yeah. and Franz. Yeah, fantastic. Which, if you haven't read that, just go and read that. That is a truly brilliant book. Yeah. Well, Charles has named my two favourite books, um, but Kay, what, what, what about you? Mine's another classic. It's um, To Kill a Mockingbird, yeah. which I actually didn't read at school like everyone else did. And oh, really? I, no, I read, I read it uh, in between doing jury service, which was quite fitting. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I absolutely loved it. So, um, Although I have to say I haven't read Ghost Set or Watchmen because I refuse to. Oh, the kind of, which was the weird like Her, prequel sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which I don't believe she actually wanted to be released but by Harper Lee. No, indeed. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I was going to say, you said you didn't read it at school, because I th- I did read both The Great Gatsby and um, and Catcher in the Right School. I wonder whether that formative experience has... Because we're both kind of yeah. a similar age. We are similar age. I wonder whether that's why, you know, Yeah, but I didn't read those at school either. Oh, didn't you? We, oh. we just sort of, at school, we always seem to pick, you know, real sort of like... King you know, Lear. Exactly, yeah, real sort of like oh, okay. English, English, right. British kind of classics, right. okay. uh, rather than kind of more, you know... And to add one, because you've said my, my two, to add also in the kind of last 10 years thing, my uh, which would be probably in my top five of all time, would be The Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Chabon. Or Chabon. Oh, Chabon. 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 Um, which is an absolutely incredible book and was supposed to be adapted by um, the Coen brothers into a oh, film yeah. about like 10 years ago and still had, never happened. In a it, nutshell. It's, it's set in an alternative universe alternative where well, you know alternative version of, of our world where instead of Israel existing where it is there's another place that Zionists have created for Jews to go that's a kind of like the, the kind of backdrop and into that there are there's crime it's a crime novel essentially crimes have been committed involving kind of uh, a Jewish conspiracy thing going on um, connected to that I'm trying to remember how, how much you know about it once you kind of read it but it's a it's like an incredible um who done it on on one level with a brilliant central um, detective kind of character, and also this kind of incredibly ambitious thing looking at Zionism, really no less. So yeah, it's pretty it's pretty fantastic. But I want to see the film directed by the Coen Brothers. Yeah, 
What else should we ask? Before we leave, Kay, um, um, you know, to commemorate Charles's last ever day in the office, which is when we're recording, the last ever day full time, as a full-time employee of Heat, you may come back. He's going to carry on doing reviews for us, This is which is very important. We so wouldn't be able to survive without get, you. Film reviews from Charles um, every week in Heat magazine. Thank heavens. But what what have you always wanted to ask him, Kay? Okay, I'm putting my, you on the spot now. Well, I've got two questions. I'm really worried Actually, now. three it's questions. Like, Susan Kay asks me very probing <laughs> questions all the time. The ones that she actually hasn't got round to asking yeah. yet is yeah. like... But alarm, they usually, they usually alarm, like, what's your favourite crisp? Alarm bells are ringing. Yeah. Yeah, That's an important on. question, yeah, 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 okay. FYI. Right. Okay, three questions. What is your... Desert island film. So, improbably, if you had a, you were stranded on a beach and there's a film playing on a loop for the rest of your life, what would it be? God, you know, it's funny because when it's really hard to answer. What's your favourite film? Yeah. And I normally say the thin red line, but given that it's about people on an island being, <laughs> being you know, ki- killed by the Japanese, I'm not kind of sure that would be the one. Wouldn't that, lift your spirits. I don't think it would lift my spirits. So, if a film that would lift my spirits every day on a desert island would be Some Like It Hot. Uh, oh, nice. good choice. Very good. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Question okay. two. Question two. Probing. Sweet or salty? Ah. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know the answer to this question. So I do have a bit of a reputation in the heat office for being quite sort of picky about what I will eat and also mm-hmm. when I will eat it. So obviously, you know, like chocolate before lunch. No, that's a complete no. Um so popcorn, you'd go. I, no, no. I mean, I definitely like savoury and salty foods. And and if I had a choice, I could kiss goodbye to confectionery, no problem. Oh God, yeah, incredible. And question three. Okay, my final now. question. Everyone wants it to be about film, so I'm not going to ask about film. Boyd or me? <laughs> no. What? It's my last question. I don't know in what sense. As in a desk companion, because oh, okay. we worked oh, together for many years. Have, right, okay, obviously I'm going to swerve, swerve that question. Um, but it's been a delight. It's been Aww. a delight. Chaz, it's my emotional. Fu- uh, just, just to add to the indulgence, one more one more element of this grotesquely self-indulgent celebration of, of, of the legend. legend Charles Gowan. We wouldn't want to do this for anyone, leaving here. I mean, oh, you God, know, no. Yeah, I mean, we can barely remember anyone's years, names. <laughs> when you've been here, place like, I think you deserve it. I can hear the sound of everyone just like... <laughs> Clicking stop on listening to this <laughs> yeah. podcast, but yeah, do finally, do continue. Do continue. Finally, what has been the greatest m- moment of your heat career? <laughs> oh my god, that is you really put me on the spot. Yeah. Really put me on the spot. Tough, yeah, that is really really hard. But um, I, I guess the most surreal moment, mm. most surreal, actually happened last year. And I went, I was invited to see this movie called Rules Don't Apply. And and Warren Beatty was there, who is as Hollywood legends. I mean, yeah. I meet you know sort of you know current actors from time to time and directors and stuff Warren Beatty is kind of like a legend but I had the most surreal conversation with him all about Twitter like what? he that is all he spoke about no, for like, and and I could not think of how to like change change the subject <laughs> and I was like I'm I'm talking to one of the greatest like movie Oscar winning legends of all time about social media please somebody please help me like change change the tune <laughs> That is good. That is good. And he's not even on Twitter, I imagine. Of course not. No. no he was you advised him against it. I'd, I'd strongly cautioned him <laughs> from, from going down that murky path. Because that presumably before the Oscars. Oh, could you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, could you horrendous. imagine the hate he'd be getting on yeah, Twitter, yeah, you know, yeah. if he was on Twitter? Poor, poor guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much um, to Charles particularly for coming on as like our special guest um, of this podcast. My pleasure. Thanks as ever to Kay Ribeiro, uh, Entertainment Manager of Heat Magazine. And, and we'll be back next week, won't we? Tuesday. Thanks to John, of course, the super John engineer, Dan. guru, method 
Teacher. That's the <laughs> title of an album by Van Morrison. And uh, we'll see you next week, next Tuesday. Thanks, bye. Bye. Bye.